Hey, welcome to yet another episode of Happy Hamstrings. This is your host, Julie Brown, and it is February 24th. It is about 7.30 in the morning, and I've just finished teaching two fitness classes. I have a few people at another facility that say that 7 o'clock is too early, and here I am arriving home from the first part of my work day. It's 7 a.m. I've already knocked out two classes today. So this morning, I didn't teach yoga. I'm just using this podcast, by the way, to share with you everything that's happening and to kind of document my journey and share everything that surrounds this journey. And today's episode is very important, but I like to go over my day a little bit. This morning, I coached F45 and I also coached a spinning class. Both were great. F45 is a hit class, if you didn't know that. It's like um, I work at a gym that has another gym within the gym. It's like a studio within the studio. And so there's all kinds of equipment in there. And every single day we reset the floor. Last night I subbed for somebody who needed a fill-in at the 5 o'clock. And I was actually down for all three yesterday. So what I mean is the facility that I work at, they only offer F45 three times a day. And that's Monday through Thursday because Friday we don't have a 5 p.m. Anyway, yesterday was the first time I actually was down for like all three, meaning the 5.15 a.m., the 12.15 p.m., and the 5 p.m. I've never, and since we've launched this program, I've never been down for all three. Before I took that last class, by the way, I waited about an hour uh, in the group chat. (laughs) Like, come on, someone, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like, I'm not going to say I didn't want it, but I didn't want to be greedy. And also, um, it was kind of an important night for me to be home as early as I possibly could. So before I accepted the class, I was thinking of myself first, as I tell all of you to do. I would never tell you to do something and then I don't do it. So in order to sort of make space in my schedule, before I said yes, I kind of stopped what I was doing and I looked at the, if I take the 5 p.m. class, I'm thinking, well... Now I'm setting the next day. But then I'm thinking bonus. The bonus is when I got there at 5 a.m., I knew what to expect. It wasn't like a surprise. Um, I'd already sent a group chat about the difference between the medicine balls and the, the dead balls to the group chat. And person who definitely saw the message set up some medicine balls where there should have been dead balls. Um, luckily, I've been coaching there long enough that I caught it. And so what I did was I removed almost all the medicine balls. I left the little ones and I explained to the people participating. I said, if you use these, these bounce back in your face. So like it wasn't one of those exercises where the the video demonstrates it bouncing back. So I make my clients very aware like these will bounce back in your face. So I've already kind of sent a group chat out diplomatically explaining that their safety and their needs are really in our hands. So we have to be aware of the difference between the dead balls and the medicine balls. And at first, honestly, I didn't know the difference. Like I would test it, but I didn't notice the lines on the ball run a different way. Anyway, so when I got there today, I knew what to expect uh, at 5 a.m. I knew everything was just like I wanted it. And the reason I accepted the class is today's setup was only nine stations, nine stations. And the lunch class, I noticed no one had signed up for yesterday. And 
even if someone had signed up, I could have done this anyway. I started moving equipment to the outskirts of the room where it needed to be. There were only a couple of things that I couldn't do that with because yesterday was like a cardio day in a 45. And um, basically what I did was I put equipment on the outskirts if it wasn't in the way, which doesn't mean like barbells because barbells are in the way if you're jumping around. It's a very small space for what we're doing with it, but we're making the most of it. And we don't have a huge crowd. Last night I had eight in the class and that was amazing. That was just amazing to me because those classes are usually very small. And because they're doing this great um, buddy sales, buy one, get one free. It was just really nice to have eight people in that classroom. I'm just saying, that's just that's just a good feeling to look around and see that the space is actually being used. Because, I mean, right after we launched it, boom, pandemic killed the program. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee. I feel like I've been up a long time. It's only been like three hours. Anyway, so when I started this podcast, here I am five minutes in, getting away from the the classes I coached this morning went great, but um, it's time for me to get into the topic of today. When I first started this podcast, um, I wanted to document what was happening in my 200 hours journey. That was the whole point, was to start it finish it, use the podcast to blog it. Of course, I didn't want to blog everything because as time wears on, I'm eventually, hopefully, (laughs) fingers crossed, I want to eventually be that teacher who starts to create a program for training people who want to become a yoga teacher. Of course, I have a lot. I think I have like another 500 hours of teaching yoga before I can even apply and even if I had another 500 hours, I'm not even eligible until like June because that's when I graduate, two years from when I graduated from. There's so many standards. Um, so after you become a 200 hours teacher through Yoga Alliance, you don't get certified through Yoga Alliance. Yoga Alliance is like a nonprofit umbrella that oversees all of these trainings. And actually going into it, I thought that every 200 hours school had to have a specific flow that they taught as a core, but that isn't so. A lot of schools do. Um, Some schools just have a lot of information and teach a lot of different flows. Um, Some of them have a, like my school had a core sequence, and that was like, this is the sequence, and here's how you expand upon it, and that was what we did, and actually, it was a very good resource for me, especially at the time, because I needed a power flow, and that's what it was. I needed something that would challenge all levels, especially since, like, some of my students are athletic. You know, they're on the they're on the teams. You know, they're on athletic scholarships. Okay, so that sets the segue for what I'm about to talk about, and I'm not going to read out loud her whole article, but I just wanted to kind of touch on something because to me, this is a major part of what's happened with my journey. All right. So when I'm choosing my 200 hour school, I made sure to research because I'd read articles about how, you know, there's every week, like every week, there's like yoga studios all over the world and all over this country. And they're just cranking out yoga instructors, you know, just one after the other. Just, you're graduated, you're graduated. They're finishing their work. They're doing their work. It's 
just that there's so many, and that's why I'm always saying I'm blessed, I'm privileged to even be able to use my knowledge, to use this um, tool that's been given to me by my teachers, because a lot of them that graduate, there's just so many teachers, a lot of them that graduate, some of them never get the opportunity to teach. So I really hold on to that, that every single time I teach a class, it's like a big privilege. It's a big time privilege that's awarded to me because as, as just, you know, part of it is hard work. Yeah. But it's also just that some people work really hard and they may live. I've talked to yoga teachers who live in a very, very small community and maybe that small community doesn't have the demographic that embraces group fitness or maybe they don't embrace yoga. And so they just, they may never get to teach except for on their YouTube channel or on zoom. Um, teaching in person is a, it's a big deal. It's very different. You know, it's like a, I don't mean it's like a big deal as in trying to make myself into something I'm not. I just mean, it's like when you teach in person, it's way different. It's, I guess it has a more of an impact than someone on a screen, like your teacher in person, they can give you more assist when they're in person. Anyway, so I searched. I wanted to make sure I found the perfect school. I read a lot of articles with people who complained that they paid all this money for their training. They're like, I paid, let's say like New York City. And then someone says they pay like $5,000 for their 200-hour training. And then they feel like they've stepped out of their training and stepped into a box. Like they're like, this is your flow. This is your cue. And one of the things that my training did that this article kind of warned against was that sometimes they'll make you say things like word for word for word. And that did feel like weird when we're all like having to say at the same time, like ground down, like earth. And I understand learning the cues. I understand the memorization. Um, so I didn't feel like this school was putting me in a box because even though they had this one core flow and they're like, this is the sequence, they would say, okay, and here's where you would add if you want to add this pose. And they actually said, if you think of any pose that you want to add to this flow, we can tell you which part of the sequence. And they broke it down purposefully, like this is here because of that and this goes here because of that. This is also the sequence which has a rotational of moving your pelvis in neutral to external rotation on a load-bearing leg. That that part I don't do anymore. I was teaching that way. However, after my 300-hour school, I realized that was kind of a big deal. Stop doing that part, but the rest of the flow um it kind of it kind of worked for me. I don't ever teach it just as it is, the meaning that power flow. I don't teach it like pose for pose for pose. For one thing, if I take a bunch of new people and I try to put them into crow pose on their first class. And let's just say that they're feeling like, like, let's just say they're ha- a couple of them are having a bad day. Like, I don't know who's having a bad day and they've never done yoga. And then I do crow pose and then, okay, like float up to your fingertips and lift your whole body weight into your fingertips. Like that's not always accessible. In fact, I've only had like maybe two students, three or four students. I don't know how many. Not everybody lifts off into crow the first time. It takes a lot of prep work. There's a lot of um, Instagram videos. This is one of the things that 
I kind of get addicted to scrolling through Instagram. But there's like a lot of these yoga videos that will say, if you want to do this pose, first do this. Like they show you how to build upon it. Um, like a yoga teacher will say, if you want to do a handstand, first put your hands on the floor and do, you know, do little press ups, meaning like press your body weight into your hands. So they'll show you how to build. I love being able to show folks how to build upon poses. So now as a teacher, I will show, I'll say, okay, build upon it here. You can stay here or you can add this. You can stay here or you can add this. But I try not to go too far into that because in one of my Zoom classes, one of the teachers said, as a student, and this wasn't one of my teachers, this was just another yoga teacher in the community, she said, as a student, she said, I don't like it when the teacher does too many options. Like you get in the pose and they sit there and go, okay, you can do this or you can do that. And that's fine. She said, but then they're like, or you can do this or you can do this or you can do this or you can do that. And it's like, it's too many. It's too much, like too many options. So I take that feedback from other yoga teachers who are giving their view as a student. And I actually apply that in my classes too. Because I don't want to be too wordy. Actually, I'm more I'm more gifted with writing than I am with speaking. And that's funny because I have a podcast. I was just talking to my husband about public speaking. Like, sometimes it makes me nervous. Like, it still happens. I used to paint on broadcast like every single day. Um, so I found ways to work past that. Just to, because that was fun for me. And when I speak in front of people, it's okay. I'm okay when I'm teaching fitness. (laughs) I know that's strange. Like when it comes to just talking, like if you ask me to stand up and give a speech instead of like, okay, stand up and do a fitness class, I'm great. Um, I know exactly what to say. But when it comes to like giving a speech, that's a whole nother, that's like a different animal to me. (laughs) I guess I'm just in my zone when it comes to speaking in front of people. Anyway. I digress. So I searched the world over. After reading these articles, I did not want to go to a school and spend thousands of dollars to come out feeling like, okay, I have to do these poses. I'm in a box. I have to say that word for word this cue, word for word that cue. I have to do this. I have to do that. Like, I wanted a school that expanded. And I found a school that's very, that they were very community oriented. And they still are. They're very community connected. And they had a style. They had their power flow. They taught it every day. They even put questions on my 200-hour test about the guy that invented this flow. And I kept asking myself, like, if I'm not certified in the style, they even had a whole page in their manual, like, devoted to how humble this teacher was that created the thing. And, like, I looked up articles about him because apparently this was one of the top paid yogis in the world. And when I researched him, one of the things that it said in the bio was something like he was well trained because his parents both owned a yoga studio or something to that nature. And that doesn't really, that's not your, it may be like a family heritage, but when it comes to lineage, that's a little different. So like, When I interviewed Yogi Robin and she said she studied a teacher that was a lineage of Iyengar yoga, like that's very specific to that. And Iyengar yoga is known, recognized throughout the world. 
And everybody, like, it's funny. I could come up with my own. I could come up with Yogi Jules Yoga or Happy Hamstrings Yoga. Like, I didn't invent a flow or a style, but I could if I wanted to. And all you need is enough money, know-how, knowledge, purposeful movement, marketing. Devote the rest of your life to sharing it. Um, Doesn't necessarily mean I would be successful, but anybody can, like, patent their own flow but I like how one of my teachers was like when people copyright a flow like what is that (laughs) what is that so now here we are fast forward Uh, I had enrolled in that 200 hour school in 2019 fast forward here we are in 2022 and now my teacher has released an article basically apologizing for uh, particularly using this guy's stuff like she's like she even cringes when he comes up in the article she wrote she used the word cringe like if someone mentions him it's all cringy to her um this was a guy that she quizzed me on in her test she had a page in her book like that my my manual my 200 hour manual has got like a page devoted to him and then she shared like an instagram in this article um where people are kind of calling him out and they're saying that people are scared to follow follow, uh, follow this page. Um, they're saying uh, these official faculty faculty in trainings they were sold, and I'm talking about trainings for teachers now. I'm not talking about a yoga class for a student. Um, this particular teacher that taught my teacher had faculty in trainings, and it was supposed to be a facilitator for their particular institute but with the very first weekend they decided to change it to uh, fit to lead or something like that they changed the name of it and they made promises and they didn't fulfill their promises that they gave and I guess what really happens is this guy like he's very persuasive I guess the other thing is I haven't met this particular person So he persuaded my teacher to do some workshops that she never got to use. Um, I wish I could say I've created a workshop that was uh, used. (laughs) Um, I also, what I'm saying is I've been in a similar situation where my boss had me create a workshop that didn't get used. I wasn't paid for my time. And this is kind of what happened with her, except she went all the way to another state. Like she flew somewhere else on her dime and she expected to do like a big, like a big conference type thing. I mean, I'm talking, I'm small potatoes. <laughs> Apparently there's big potatoes, you know. So they like were given opportunities. They wanted to seize the opportunity. And then they sort of changed their story. And they say, oh, it's a whole group of you, but only one of you is getting picked. Um, and he would, his, one of the things that he always says is like, be a yes. And I guess that when there was some people speaking their mind, they were told they weren't being a yes. Um, all the things that she taught to me, she's no longer teaching now. And it's like the books, she's telling me to buy his books in the training. Like we had nine books I had to purchase. Mandatory reading, by the way. And two of those were written by this particular person. And you may notice I'm not saying his name because I'm just not. I don't want to. Also, I don't want to advertise that there's a podcast that's talking smack about him. I just think it's interesting how she's like um, all about this particular person and then 
of course she's she's worked for him she knows him she's met him and now it's like she's gonna cringe if I bring him up <laughs> she's actually titled her article call your dad you're in a yoga yoga cult she felt like it was cult like um, the stuff I read, it doesn't sound like a cult to me. It just sounds like this guy's very controlling, like he wants to control people. There's a difference, right? But he also apparently had level trainings, like level one, level two, level three. And of uh, a lot of people's opinion, it was only to make more money, not to make them better teachers. I can't speak to that because I haven't done any of his trainings. In fact, right after I finished my training, I started looking into... Right after I finished my 200 hours, before she started saying he was cringe and all that, I sort of looked into, and I've looked into lots of trainings I don't do. I looked into booty yoga. I would never teach booty yoga because it's just very fast. Um, it's just, it's more like a dance. It's very, very fast and it's, I don't know. I just don't think I would pay the money to teach booty yoga. I still love it. If you ask me to go with you to a booty yoga class, I'm absolutely going to go. Um, but as far as teaching it really fast like that, I don't see that being my thing. <laughs> I just don't see that happening for me. I mean, especially as expensive as it was. But anyway, after my 200 hours wrapped up and she had me like researching this guy and I was like, wow, he's like one of the top paid, one of the top paid yogis ever. And he's so humble according to my 200 hour book. So, um... I started looking into his trainings, like thinking I would get my next certification or get certified in his style. But of course, I don't even have to tell you what happened next uh, because my 200 hours was interrupted by pandemic. This guy had enough money and he just stopped. I mean, he just, there was no more. In fact, these, these FIT trainings, the faculty in trainings, the fit to lead or whatever it's, um, fit in leadership. I don't remember some kind of trainings that he offered now. Like if you look it up now, they don't exist, but they did. And I think that's what is happening is the things that he had done in the past. Um, a lot of people, and I mean a lot, have a lot to get off their chest about this guy. I don't really know that much about him aside from what she taught me. And now she's like, he's cringe. Um, and she actually apologized. She apologized for a lot of things. And if you listen to my podcast regularly since the very beginning, if you want to access all the old episodes, you can use the Anchor app because I know on the Anchor app, you can go back to the beginning, but I didn't want to reveal every little thing from my training because obviously I, I see the value in it. Um, but one of the things we did in our in-person workshops was she broke us off into groups to kind of like discuss like where was integrity lost? Like stuff like that. Like where in your life do you want to speak to someone and tell them something that, and I mean, it was good to get it off my chest, but that's really not what I was there for. Like it helped me. I understand why she did it. It helped me to like purge out a lot of emotional stuff. And there was a lot of this whole, your feelings are valid. Your feelings are valid. But I wanted like form corrections. I'm like going at this from a personal trainer standpoint when I first got there. I didn't even really understand mindfulness when I first arrived. Not to the extent that I'm starting to. I'm not going to say I understand it fully. I think it's a lifelong journey that you never understand it fully. Like it's constant always because we're always human. And being human is very hard, right? 
is really hard sometimes. But anyway, it's just interesting to see that it starts off with me using this style. And then she's like, I'm no longer teaching this style. I don't even want people to talk to me about this style. And um, she's actually referring people to Instagram pages and podcasts. That's kind of like, we got to speak out. We got to, you know, speak our truth, speak our true truth. Um, yeah, interesting, right? And, you know, the fact that he is like a millionaire and what is his lineage? I don't know. I mean, he talks in his books about, I noticed he sort of talks about training people. Uh, he trained the Patriots, I guess, the year that they went to Super Bowl or something. Um, he talks in one of his books about someone had something happen when he, I forget the story, something about this woman had something happen at the beach. And he said, I knew right what to do. And he was using this story to talk about the vagus nerve, the parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system. But he was like, kind of more like in the story, like in the book, like, and I knew right what to do. <laughs> so I did recognize a little bit of um, being led by his ego. And I would like to point out that anybody who's successful, anybody, I don't care who they are, anybody who's successful, they are indeed led by their ego right? Because that's just who we are. Um, success is usually led up to by your ego. One of the things in the article also that she said something about was um, she created spaces which involved, this is, I'm talking about my teacher of the 200-hour school. She apologized for using this style, and then she said she apologized for doing harm by not intending to create harm. But she says she created spaces that involved trauma bonding. I read that sentence twice where she was like, I'm owning up to my mistakes is some, something about that. She said um, she apologized for creating spaces which involved trauma bonding. Now I had to read that sentence twice. I was like, what? And, um, I guess that, I guess I started researching that particular thing. I had not heard of trauma bonding. And then I'm like, is that where she had us going around and telling each other like stories about things, you know, kind of things that would get you emotional and then put us in pairs and kind of help us to bond with each other? Is that, I don't think that's what she meant. I don't know. I'm going to have to research this further. Um, as far as putting us off in pairs, that didn't bother me. Um, some of the stuff I did journal about, especially where was integrity lost with someone treating you uh, without integrity or something. I did tear those pages out and throw them away because I got it out. I'm done with it. I don't need anybody to find it later. I just poof. I threw that out. Um, like I said, I went in there straight from an anatomy standpoint, wanting to think about just the poses. Like when I got in there, that's the first thing I said on my first episode, like just the poses, just the yoga, stay with the focus. Um, on the other hand, if you get out all this stuff that maybe it's like clouding up your mind or the mind chatter in yoga, they call the mind chatter the chitta vritti. I hope I'm saying that right. The chitta vritti. That is your mind chatter that will distract you. So to get away from all that, we use yoga. That's the whole point of yoga. Um, 
yeah, every, everything that has anything to do with yoga is supposed to make you feel calm. And do no harm is the first of all the yamas and niyamas. And so that is why the Shelly apologized for what she felt like maybe she created spaces that weren't for the spaces that weren't like welcoming for everybody, I guess. Um, I didn't really, I didn't really speak my true truth because when we got there and it was 50 mats in that one room, I was sort of excited and it made me a little nervous to have people sweating on my mat because I think about it like when you would twist at the end of class, we always did a little twist everybody's foot's on everybody else's mat at that time. It's 2019. All the feet on all the mats. And then she had us like rotating mat to mat, like all around where everybody get on everybody else's mat. Like we're rotating. They called it round Robin. You teach over here. Now you teach over here. Basically everybody in there stepped on my mat. (laughs) Everybody. (laughs) And then when I accidentally, like one of my mats that I had was falling apart. I ended up buying a mat while I was in my training at that studio um, they were like, you need to go grab another mat because your mat's falling apart. And so I grabbed one of the mats out of the closet. But I'm, n- I'm new to this studio. What do I know? One of them was like, oh, my God, you grab so-and-so's mat. She's going to come out here and have a fit when she sees you've got her cork mat. Well, I just grabbed a cork mat. I didn't know I wasn't allowed to have the cork mat. And they were like, oh, the mats are on the other side. You grabbed this one on the other side that was the teacher's. So I'm thinking like, okay, I'll put it back. But then I, I didn't speak my true truth because I'm thinking... Why is it that everybody gets to stand on my mat, but then this one teacher, (laughs) this one of the uh, several teachers, by the way, one of the teachers is going to have a fit if I've stepped on her mat? (laughs) Like, why is it that I'm not as special as she is with her sacred mat? (laughs) Why can't my mat be sacred too? (laughs) That didn't really bother me, though, as much as the other teacher, not, not the head teacher and not that teacher, but another, another teacher eating in front of us after a 12-hour day and then shushing someone at the same time. It's almost like I didn't really care that she was eating in front of us because I was really hungry until she shushed someone beside me was trying to talk about the yoga practice we had just done. They were talking about, they were supposed to be giving each other feedback. But once they're done with you talking to each other, they're done with you talking to each other. And they were, shh, not to me, but someone else. And I thought, you're going to stuff your face with fruit. And then you're going to shush somebody at the same time. Like that sort of bothered me. Like that was really the only thing that happened during my training that I was sort of like, wow, you know, if you're going to eat in in front of a bunch of people and you're going to shush me too, not like they shushed me because I wasn't talking anyway. So the method the methodology, the flow, everything I learned that they were saying that I could be inspired by, but not certified by that style. Um, everything to do with all of that (laughs) is cringe to the woman that taught it to me. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So (laughs) I almost like want to say, should I do my 200 hours over? (laughs) Of course I don't have to. I'm 500 hours. No one can take that away from me. And it doesn't like discredit my 200 hours. But it's interesting to look back and see like, oh, the teacher that taught me all this is doing something completely revamped now. Um, they questioned me about the flow. They questioned me about the, the five pillars of this and the, the 
all these things I had to memorize. It was, it was that part of having to memorize what someone else wrote, which was their own, not from the, I mean, some of this was taken from the roots of yoga, but it's like this article that she wrote about him is a lot of the stuff that he wrote. He just sort of like plagiarized it and didn't credit it. Like if it was something straight out of the, the Gita book, he should have said, well, this is a, this is a, from the Gita book. Or if he took something from a sutra, he should say, well, that is a sutra. It's not like I wrote this. <laughs> and that was really where she got angry, um, is when she went and then all this time working for him, thinking that some of the stuff that was his writing was actually like a plagiarism of some of the roots without giving it credit. Um, I don't really know what he attributes for his lineage because he's come up with his own thing. And I guess because he's like a weightlifter, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't really know. It's, I do say that some of the things about the flow works, but I do recognize the things about his flow that just doesn't speak to me or speak to my students. So I've changed it. I take everything I learned from all of my dozens of teachers and I try to smash it together in one little class. Of course, there's not enough time. <laughs> there's not even enough time in the day to smash it all into the one class. <laughs> um, later today, I've got yoga. I've got another spin class around 11.15. And then tonight, um, this is Thursday. So tonight I've got yoga at the UREC. And then I'm going to be teaching aqua fitness. Uh, that'll be my final class. This weekend, I'm going to try to do some resetting, cleaning, meditating, and really get serious about more study time and more relaxing time. I take my relaxation time really seriously. Um, if I have time for a nap, I'll take it. Like yesterday, I had time to get in the hot tub. I took it. I got in that hot tub, damn it. I'm not going to let something stop me. Um, and just when I said I wasn't going to take on more clients, <laughs> I think I just said that. I was like, I'm not going to take on more clients. I'm so busy. I mean, I want to make money, but I don't do this for the money. As cliche as that sounds, I spend so much money doing this. That's pretty much like the proofs in the pudding, as they say. Um, anyway, my boss called yesterday, and this really surprised me. They've, they've matched me to another client. And after having a conversation with my boss, this client... I'm not going to go into detail. It just seems like a fit for me. The time they want to work, everything, it just seems like a fit for me. So I'm going to take on one more client. <laughs> and I think I have, at the end of this week, 21 classes. But after today, things are going to start to simmer down because today's Thursday. Tomorrow, I've only got one class. And then Saturday, I've only got one class. So... That being said, um, Thursdays are my crazy day, but I still came on here to say hi to y'all because I really wanted to share the story um, about reading this article and how it it made me feel because like, I really felt like she needed to get that out and I feel like that my teacher was hurt by her teacher and I guess the bigger picture is if I ever do, ever, I should say when, this is what I tell my students. Don't say if. 
for something you want to empower, take out the if. That's what you, that's what she taught me too. When I, when I become the teacher that teaches others to teach yoga, I want to create a really safe space. I don't want people to be afraid to speak about. I want people to like. I like people to bring me down, like bring me back to earth. Or in other words, I like people. I don't want people to bring me down. I want you to like call me out. Like I would rather somebody like call me out. Like when I was laughing at somebody's house shoes, somebody says to me like, "Well, Julie, they they need a safe space." You know, you're right. The the, uh, the young adults in the college, the college folks, they do need that safe space. Just because I wouldn't go in with house shoes, I mean, the big giant poofy ones, just because I wouldn't do that, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, All it means is they do need a safe space because something I forget because I have, I've got a massive house for two people, like me and my husband live in a three bedroom and it's not like it's a big, big house, but for two people, that's really more space than we need. And I forget some of these folks might live in a tiny one room dorm with someone else. So this place, it's not just a place, like it's not just a gym. This might be like their living room. I mean, they've got a game unit. They've got ping pong tables. Uh, They really should feel right at home. They should feel comfortable. They should feel like, honestly, I want them to be able to wear whatever they want. I don't, I don't know that if I open up a studio, if I would even have a dress code, um, if I had my own brick and mortar, which that's something I'm sort of like, I'm staying on the focus for that being like a five-year goal. I don't even know if that could happen anytime soon. Doesn't feel like it, but uh, yeah. I'm just, I don't know if I could have a dress code. I feel like people should be allowed to wear whatever they want. That's just me. That doesn't mean that I'm right. That's just how I feel. That's how I would run it. Um, and obviously I'm not running things at any of these studios, so I don't really have a say so. Um, oh, the other thing I wanted to talk about before I go really quick, alpaca yoga. I've been invited by a local alpaca farmer. So this doesn't mean we're going to be doing yoga with, we're doing yoga at the alpaca farm. So May 7th is the date. I cannot be more excited. I'm very honored that she approached me at the farmer's market. May 7th, we're going to have a big yoga class right by the pond. Big, imagine 60 acres of beautiful rolling hills land. We're going to have space at this. It's actually a wedding venue. This big pavilion is brand new. We're going to use this big space for our yoga practice. We're just going to spend the morning enjoying this beautiful farm. And then after we finish yoga, we'll have a brief break and then a little tour from the alpaca farmers. So apparently they've won over 110 prize ribbons for their beautiful alpacas. They're so cute. They're just so adorable. They, they got that split lip. So the alpacas always look like they're smiling at you. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I don't know how many people will be there, but like, once again, I'm not doing this for the money. And this is the type of thing that I need to lean into instead of thinking brick and mortar. 
I need to think like events, retreats, like getaways, that type of thing. Because if I'm just constantly a rotating instructor, then I won't be purging all this money into overhead. Because once you have a brick and mortar, now you're just hemorrhaging money into your rent, repairs, you know, everything, security. Like I could go on and on. There's the Mind Body app, which charges over $100 a month just to get the word out. And there's not that many people in my community that even use MindBody because there's not any studios on board with paying that much money. In fact, I think that my 300-hour school has stepped away from MindBody a little bit. And they kind of just decided, well, we're going to make our own app. That's what they did. They were like, we're going to get away from paying this. We're just going to, if we're going to have to give up $100 a month, well, it's not 100 It's more than $100 a month. That is at the lowest rate, by the way. The lowest tier is like 129 a month. Just the lowest tier for using this app, MindBody. Um, you can't even find out. You have to talk to them. You can't even find out when they're... You have to call them. <laughs> to, so I'm just saving you the phone call. <laughs> if you needed to know, it's at this moment, it's probably going to go up. In fact, it may have gone up since I've talked to them. It's over $100 a month. So I'm just going to use social media and word of mouth. Uh, I'm not going to be paying for a billboard or anything like that. I did reach out to a public speaker, but I don't know that I'll even hear back from that particular person. They live in Birmingham. I would love to have a motivational speaker right at the end, but I don't think that's going to happen because I think if they were going to reply, they would have answered me. It's been about a week. It's been about a week, so I don't think that motivational speaker is really interested in helping me with my event. Um, the last time I did a yoga retreat, it was at a place called Lee Farm, or Camp Lee, I mean. I had about 10 in um, my participating audience, and it was great. It's just that I really learned my lesson about leaning into having other yoga teachers help me. <laughs> First of all, no offense, right? No offense meant no harm meant. I don't mean anything harmful. It's just that I had two teachers I was relying on. Uh, one of them backed out. And then one of them was like so late that I was already teaching their class before they arrived. It was time for their class to start. And I'm not going to keep people waiting like, oh, well, they're still driving here. No, it's time. We start on time. Um I still paid the late teacher. Um, in fact, I paid them well. I don't want to like cheat anybody out of money. I'm not trying to do this to cheat anybody out of money. However, I went through a lot of trouble for this and I only wanted two other teachers. And about midday, you know, I was thinking, well, I'm going to be the only, t I actually believed it. I was believed I was the only, I was going to be the only one. It was just very hurtful <laughs> because I was like, what do I do? I was going to have three teachers and now I'm the only teacher, but that's not how it happened. Um, actually, the person who was late kind of messaged me like, I'm on the way, but it was already time for them to have been there. Like, I'm talking pretty late when your class was already beginning. <laughs> and I'm not holding a grudge. I'm just saying the reason I bring that up, I'm not mad or anything. It's just like, 
what if I'm thinking to myself, what if I ask like two or three other teachers and then once again, I'm just like, well, doing this by myself, <laughs> like it's just me again. Like I'm afraid maybe to trust. Um, this all goes back to something I talked about in my yoga therapy, how it's hard for me to trust. And every time I do trust that I feel like my trust gets betrayed. And at that same event, I trusted somebody with the food budget. I said, don't go over $10 a head. And they went right at $10 a head. So with 10 people, you can math that up pretty quickly. It's like $100 for food. We had way too much food, by the way. Um, just it's hard for me to trust because I'm, I'm at the end of it going, well, I could have done this. I could have done that. I should have saved time. I should have saved money. And at the end of it all, it was a successful event, not because of money. It actually broke even. It was just a successful event because people leave happy. And that's the point. That's the goal. That's the end game. All right. I've talked long enough. Um, here's this end of the story. My, <laughs> my wrap up. I mean, my 200 hour teacher decided that her original teacher was good for her at the time, but now he's cringe. <laughs> so she's, my teacher has moved on to, to bigger, better things that makes her happy. Uh, she's apologized for teaching the style she taught me too, by the way. <laughs> um, I've got alpaca yoga coming up. That's really great news. So good. I'm very excited about that. Um, May 7th, mark your calendar. If you can be there, I would love for you to join us. It's 1999. And if you do come, you're supporting me and this beautiful alpaca farm. So it's not just me. Um, there's a coffee shop nearby. Haven't brought this up. I can get any candy bar flavor coffee I want. And I can't believe it. And they said, they said to me, what was my favorite candy bar? I said a zero bar. And so since I'm able to get a zero bar coffee, if I want it this weekend, I say it's the best day ever. <laughs> Today's the best day ever. So whatever you're doing this weekend, I know I'm talking about the weekend already. It's Thursday. Um, whatever you do, make the most of it, whether if it's with a zero coffee, whether if it's with um, doing yoga at an alpaca farm. <laughs> By the way, if you look up alpaca yoga, this is a thing I didn't even know. Um, whether if you're practicing yoga or not, take some time for yourself today. Maybe take some time to even examine like what does taking care of yourself feel like? Make some new patterns, make some new trust, make some new ways. And I'm working at it right alongside you, trying to make the most of all of my day. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm going to be back tomorrow. I hope I'm back tomorrow. I should be back tomorrow with some more exciting news about what I'm doing uh, and what's going on. Oh, and tomorrow, see, I almost ended it too soon. I forgot. Tomorrow's my giveaway, I think. Let me check the date. I have an Instagram giveaway. I've had it up for quite some time. If you would like to, uh, U.S. shipping only, if you would like to win my yin and yang giveaway, here's how you enter. You follow my IG page, Instagram page, Yogi Jules. That's Y-O-G-I-J-U-L-Z. Find the post that's got two paintings and a yoga book, and you like that post and tag three friends. You get one entry per person. Um... So by following my page, liking the post, and tagging three friends, you get entered in. 
right now I think we're at four entries three or four entries so yeah it's pretty good chance that if you enter you're gonna win the drawing is going to be held live on Instagram um, let's see the actual drawing is February the 25th at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time so even if you miss it like I know you might hear this podcast later you can go watch the replay I'll leave that up I'm no doubt gonna put names in a hat and draw a name out of a hat and whoever we draw out they're gonna win a painting of a waterfall and a painting of a tornado both of those are hand-painted acrylics by me and also the science of yoga book by William J. Broad uh, gifted to me by Yogi Robin and I'm re-gifting so I hope that whoever wins it is very happy and I want everybody to know you're all winners even if I don't draw out your name and you enter you're still a winner right trophies for everybody virtual trophies for everybody all right have a great day enjoy it i'm looking forward to that giveaway tomorrow and whatever you're doing wherever you're at be happy be healed be free and radiate peace into the world namaste